if you think like your desires are limited, if you think once you become a billionaire, you'll be happy, that is not true. Once you become a billionaire, you're gonna want more money. You're gonna want more money than you have, although it's already enough. So what is important is for you to know your own desires and to control and harness it. Because you don't wanna be a slave of desire. You wanna control your own desire. You wanna be a master of your desire. These kind of instant satisfaction it's kind of harmful for you. Yeah. Like, why? you're no different from a rat, a mouse that is pressing a button for satisfaction. <laughs> and if you think of it in that terms, like we're logical, sentient beings. Yeah. You want to read you that whole thing. And the great part is once you finish it, there's that um, joy that came from you putting your effort in this thing. You get constant happiness, constant maintainable happiness instead and of true happiness. And true happiness instead of short burst of dopamine. Hello and welcome back to the Bigger Preacher Podcast. I'm your host Chan and Jiao, and today I am very lucky to be joined by Patrick Lee. I've wanted to get you on for a while because. Every single time I talk to you, I think it's just been quality, quality conversations. and We talk about all kinds of stuff. So do you want, want to just jump straight into it? Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. All right. So the first question for you is, what is your why? I would say my why in life is, I'll define it as controlled desire. Mm. Desire in check. Why? Why do you want to keep desire in check? Well, I believe... There might be other things in life people like others want to pursue. There could be honor. There could be, um, I don't know, for the sake of leaving a legacy for uh, people in the future. But I'll say, and most people will agree with me, that a goal in life would be happiness. Yeah. And I come from um, all of these ancient Greek philosophers like Plato, Aristotle. They say happiness was like the true virtue in life. Mm-hmm. And if we think about it, we're limited in a human body, right? Yeah. And so even if we want to transcend our body, we're limited by certain things and certain desires. Like if we're hungry, we have to eat. Yeah. And um, we have, for instance, like I'll say reason is also a part of our desires. Yeah. We want to um, think, we want to realize we're the only uh, creature that yeah. knows our own existence. Yeah, definitely. So I'll say being true to myself. Okay. Keeping my desires in check. Okay. That is also important because when we just let desires, just let it go. We'll be animals. We'll be animals, right? <laughs> and also the thing about it is desires, it gets bigger and bigger and you get used to this stuff. Greed. You'll be happy when you first buy like a big house, a Lamborghini. Yeah. But then you get used to these things. So it's important for you to self-discipline yourself. Yeah. Know that you have these certain kind of desires, mm -hmm. but you're going to award yourself with these desires only when you accomplish something that you might not want to do. Like, yeah. let's say um, you do like a thousand two hundred word essay. Yeah. Now you get to like um, play for the rest of the day. Yeah. And um, I was, I'm talking about small things here, but I think this also applies to like a bigger frame in life. Yeah. And I just really want to know more about what, what your viewpoint on nihilism is, because I think that's what you said is like a big part of of um, of your viewpoint. So what, what specifically is nihilism and how, how do you view it? Well, nihilism is basically this belief where um, there's no true meaning in life. And so this comes all the way um, from the Stoics, and then nihilism pops up just so randomly. Mm -hmm. And it rejects all of the other ancient philosophy that mm -hmm. um, stuff matters. There's an ultimate goal in life. Mm -hmm. It says, no, there's no ultimate goal in life. Like our existence is, it doesn't matter. And if you think of it, that makes sense in a scientific sense too. If you look at the scope of the universe, mm -hmm. it's so big. Mm -hmm. Um, if we travel faster than the speed of light, we still won't be able to like reach the distant like clusters of galaxies that are moving away from us at the second. Yeah. So in the scope of the time and the vastness of the universe, we are nothing. 
and the goals we also try to pursue, it doesn't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. Goals don't matter. Mm-hmm. So that's the basic school of thought of nihilism. I'll say Nietzsche is like a prominent thinker, yeah. at least that. And the thing is, I still do have this belief. Like, it makes up my core foundation. But as you heard from what I told you, uh-huh. if you just take that word by word, like, it drives you crazy. Like, you can't live on thinking and accomplish great things thinking that there's no meaning in life. Yeah. And I'll say that's what everyone else tries to do, to find their meaning in life. Then what's good about nihilism? Well, nothing. If you read um, Nietzsche's Beyond Good and Evil, it's a great book. I recommend reading it. It says, like Nietzsche says in the foreword, do not go deep into this book. (laughs) Because if you want to live like a happy life, um, you're not like going to be happy getting into nihilism. And also like the main character, Faust, he read up on a lot of books. He's an extremely smart and intelligent character. Yeah. So the conclusion he arrives at is humans are weak, we're limited. Yeah. And apparently there's no such ultimate goal. And even if there is, we can't reach that. Even if you, so even if you realize that that view, it doesn't bring you happiness, and why why would you still want to pursue it, though? Because it's, I would consider it, the fact, from my perspective. Hmm. Well, I guess it's kind of ironic saying that nihilism is a fact because nihilism is a school of thought that says everything is not fact. Like, there's no <laughs> ultimate fact. And so me saying that nihilism is a fact would essentially be wrong. But um, I'll say that does makes me, uh, that is very depressing. But I decided to accept it because... Rejecting the truth is just not my my personality. I'll rather choose to face it. I would rather choose to live with it and then try to reconcile that with other things in life. Okay. And you'll realize, like, once you get into this rabbit hole of thinking this way, you can't get out. <laughs> like, once you, once you realize this, once you... I'm pretty sure most people have this in some part of their mind, but what they try to do is they just, like... Just leave it there. Try to not think about it because there's more busier and more urgent things that they have to do in life. Yeah. But um, every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also with with well, with phones and technologies, we're occupied 24-7, I think, in some sense. So we don't really have time to think for our thoughts. Right. That is true. Um, me personally, I don't really like phones. Yeah. I'll say um, I try to keep keep away as them from as much as possible because one thing i realized is um it's fun doing instagram it's fun being on facebook it's fun interacting with uh friends online but at one point it realizes you realize that it doesn't really make you happy Mm -hmm. and then once you realize that it also took me a lot of um determination to quit it out but like if there are certain things in life that you realize that it's doing you no good. I'll say um, it would be great if you have like this um, certain decision making to be able to like quit this. Like it's not good for me. Don't do it. Yeah, I agree. I so how how much phone usage do you still have every single day right now? Well, um, I'll say it kind of increased recently, mm-hmm. <laughs> but over the past months, I've mostly not been using my phone. I've been not bringing my phone. Um, I've been used just leaving it like in your room. Yeah, not charged. Not charged. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because I don't really find a need to use my phone. And um, do you, do you not mm-hmm. connect with family and or just important people? Right. Uh, texts. I do that on the weekends. Mm-hmm. I set weekends. like a time separate for that. Okay. For the weekends and. Um, I'll prefer like person to person interactions way more better than interacting online. As you will realize, like mm-hmm. because we're texting so much online, like we forget that um, these are actual people and we could like talk about them offline and we're gonna have way much of a quality time. Like, just like right now, talking with you. Yeah, exactly. We're having a great time. 
Yeah, no, because there's study that shows that social interaction is is what brings most happiness to to a certain sense. And and there are numerous studies saying that social media is actually toxic. Yeah, definitely. It's the thing not to say that's bad. I say that's a really good admission. Yeah. There's nothing against social media, but the thing, but the thing about social media is, is like you said at the very start, I, I loved it when you said it. Everything's good in moderation. Mm-hmm. Social media in moderation is good. You get to see right. friends, you get to connect with people, you get to, you get to, you know, see see big news. And well, I mean, if you think from a nihilism point of view, then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you you still would receive some good information. But then if you look at the large scale of the time proportion, for example, if you get one quote that inspires you, if you see one image that inspires you, if you have like a good com- good text or something like that, how how much time does that take versus how much time do you actually spend on social media? Like there's always a disproportion. Why? Because social media is like designed to program to suck you in. Right, right, exactly. So I think you end I, up spending a lot of useless time mm-hmm. and it's nothing against like connecting with people i think it's very important and i think that's a great benefit of technology and internet but it is really addictive and so it is addictive yeah. that is why i chose like just to not not have my phone with me because if you have your phone with me every time like an alarm buzzes you have no choice but to look at your phone and so that's on me for lacking self-discipline because if i had more self-discipline and was able to control myself yeah. I could still have my phone with me. And even if you can like, put it on do not disturb twenty four seven. That's what I do. Um <laughs> well I'll s- the presence is really strong. If you have something next to me, um if you have something next to you, yeah. You have like, no choice but to pick it up. If you bring it with you in your everyday lives. Yeah. It's really interesting that you brought up this point about the cue because um it's a very s- interesting psychological effect where um when you have a cue, you're likely to to take the action and it really depends on positive cue or negative cue and there's a study conducted on people who are trying to get diets right so people who want to have a healthier diet want to cut weight what should they do they should just remove simply just remove all the um, unhealthy foods in their house and replace it with healthy foods like replace candies with fruits and all that and it turns out it's so easy because because it, it this is a matter of like e- easiness versus difficult like we do what we see, what we see, see we can and we think we have the strong a strong willpower to resist temptations that's in front of us no we don't and so it's a really good point he brought up with with phones that um that if we see our phone, we're likely to use it. But if we don't see it and we see a book instead, we're likely just to read the book. Right. If you have a really strong willpower, um, you're probably able to resist, like, even if, like, a temptation in front is in front of you. Let's say you have, like, um, yeah, you're holding an ice cream in front of you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you're, real, um, if you're real dedicated and if you're really good at self-discipline, you'll probably be able to, like, hold that ice cream out of sight. Mm-hmm. But most people, um, if they have ice cream right in front of them, they're just going to devour it, right? Yeah, and it's not only most people. It's it's just human instinct and human nature. And there's a study that shows that willpower is limited. You know, yes. You, you, you don't have infinite willpower. Yes. That's why discipline is so important because it makes things much easier because we don't have the willpower to just resist things all the time. And there are studies that shows that so, for example, they had this study done on child's kids, right? Um, they, they, they put them in a room and they, have, they said, okay, um, you, you have to resist eating this chocolate, okay? Mm-hmm. And then the other group, they didn't have that. They were, just, they were just sitting there. And then those who resisted eating chocolate, and, and both, they, they put both, both groups to solve a puzzle, Turns out the group that was resisting chocolate took much longer to solve the puzzle and gave up more easily because they've have your already spent their willpower on resisting on chocolate. So willpower is actually limited. Right. It's limited. So I say it's important for you to spend it where you need it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, don't think like um, you have like unlimited willpower. Mm-hmm. Use it where you need. Um, I guess that's really important. Yeah, definitely. And also, yeah. 
on the point of finding what's important. And the point of annihilism isn't it, doesn't it just say that nothing is important? So how do you fi- still find what is important? The thing is, I don't. What do you mean? I still believe in nihilism, so I say nothing is important. Mm-hmm. But the second question you should ask is, if nothing is important, what drives you? Yeah. What drives you to achieve your goals? What drives you to become a better person? What yeah. drives you to um, do the stuff you want? Yeah. And so going back, I said that is desire for me. And I think one thing people mistake a lot about desires is they think it's kind of wrong like to follow certain desires. Yeah. And they f- kind of feel guilt. Let's say like um, you just devoured like ice cream. Yeah. Some people might feel guilty about yeah. eating that ice cream. Yeah. But they say like, if you're rewarding yourself for it, you don't have to feel guilty at all. Yeah. Because it's something that is natural. It's human instinct. Yeah. And so I'll say, yeah, I combine that with nihilism and I follow my desires. I do what is true to my heart. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the way of living my life. <coughs> so, I mean, you, you said you still would follow your desires and you would still would follow human instincts. Then how... Then why? Then why would you still want to limit your desires? Because desires are insatiable. Like the more you have, the more you will want. Mm -hmm. It's something that cannot be satisfied. That's why it is important for you to notice. If you do not know that, if you think like your desires are limited, if you think once you become a billionaire you'll be happy, that is not true. Once you become a billionaire, you're gonna want more money. You're gonna want more money than you have although it's already enough. So what is important is for you to know your own desires and to control and harness it. Because you don't want to be a slave of desire. You want to control your own desire. You want to be a master of your desire. You want to have that self-discipline, able to control that. (laughs) What's the benefit of having that then? Well, first of all, you get control of your own life. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's free will more than anything. Just yeah, because you um, fall into hedonism and follow all the desires you want doesn't yeah. mean you're going to live a happy life. No, definitely not. Mm-hmm. Because you become greedy and you want more. Right. <coughs> yeah, it's like study shows on, or study conduct on people who just have a lot or just people who have a lot of sex, people who have a lot of money, have a lot of attention. They, they're not necessarily more happier. They, they they could be more famous, yeah, but then they... This, but if we just took talk from a happiness standpoint, some of the happiest people are those who are poor in, 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 in like, poor villages in Africa, mm-hmm. or India, or so, somewhere, you know. Right, right. Um, there's a research that says, like, subsistence farmers are more happier in India. Yeah, that is true. Mm-hmm. But... Apparently, you do not want to be, like, poor, destitute. You don't want to be a pauper. Of course, you will want, like, certain living standards. Definitely. But you still want to be happy, right? Yeah. That is why it's important to know your desires, know what you want, Mm -hmm. um, find what you want, and being able to control that. And how do you control it? I think that's a a really important Mm -hmm. question after understanding the why. Right. um, Now, once you understand the why... It's up to you. It's a mental fight. Uh huh. But you got to know that just because you just oppress the desires, mm-hmm. just reject that it is part of yourself. Yeah. That's going to be harmful for you. It's going to come and bite you back. If you um, try to live without the desires you have, someday uh-huh. it's just going to come to you in a rush. So I think you, it would be better for you to think of it like an analogy if there's like a water filled to the top at a dam, you won't want to release it all of a sudden. You want to release it bit by bit. And right. the time that you're releasing um, this water yeah. is um, when you do something good, like complimenting yourself. Right. What do you think you do? Yeah. So self-love, giving yourself reward bit by bit. And then, <clears throat> so so assuming if I want to... Resist my desire and um, 
and in, in say lust, for example, mm-hmm. right? Random example. How would one approach it? Starting off by, say, say Bob. Right? Mm-hmm. Bob masturbates seven times a week, uh-huh. <laughs> and then uh, is is very mm-hmm. lustful. I was, oh, we could mm-hmm. say, what, what? How should he approach it? Just start by seven, six, mm-hmm. five, four, three, two, one, and no, 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 no. You don't have to limit it like that. It's still part of your desires, right? What you'll sure. try to do is, if Bob has a list of homework, if Bob has a list of things to do, yeah. if Bob has work to be completed, jobs to be done, okay. if Bob finishes that, and then Bob ends the day, and then he's like, oh, maybe I did a good, hard days of work. I deserve something. And then he could go <laughs> off, have his um, own pleasure time. <laughs> So you, you, but but then, isn't that the problem still there though? The problem, think about alcoholics. Like that approach is wrong to think of desires as problems. Alcoholics, they're motivated by desire. Desire controls them. But once you, once you have the desire under your control, like you could stop it whenever you want. Mm, Interesting. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate a little more on that point? Because um, once you start com- complimenting yourself with desires, yeah, it's not um, desire that is controlling you. Yeah, it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, when it's like a really important day, like you don't, yeah. let's say Bob doesn't have, shouldn't massive it. It's like a test coming up. Then yeah. you could subdue that. Yeah. Um. I guess, but on the normal mm-hmm. day, you you would suggest Bob to actually mm-hmm. use his desires to mm-hmm. his advantage, and it's not a bad thing at all. Because like some but, things like drugs, still, yeah, yeah. I'll say that's bad. You shouldn't touch it at all. Okay, I think let's switch another switch another. Say al- alcoholics, right? Mm-hmm. They know the alcohol is bad, and they want to get rid of alcohol. Right. How should they do that? And and in this case, it, it wouldn't be wise to say, okay, just do mm-hmm. your work every day, reward yourself for alcohol because it's harmful. How would one limit their desires? I'll say it's important for you to know the difference between a physical dependence and a mental dependence. Mm-hmm. For instance, alcohol, I'll say it's mostly mental dependence, but sometimes it could also spread over to physical dependence. I'll say alcoholics and people who also cannot quit smoking, they yeah. have a physical dependence on nicotine. Yeah. Right? So, um, well, in terms of physical dependence, I believe that you shouldn't start at all. Because mm-hmm. it's beyond your willpower to control it. You cannot live without that. Once you start it, you, for the most of your life, should live with it. Like, there's a saying where um, people who <coughs> smoke, they could quit smoking. But they're not forgetting about smoking. They think they have this idea of pleasure in their head. And they're, like, controlling themselves from not doing it for the rest of their life. Willpower. Right. And that's not good. Right. What should what should it be? Just program it to another to a bad thing like self hypnosis? Um Well, I'll say these things do not start at all. But if you get to start, I'll say um increasing your self discipline. Definitely meditation helps. Um, I consider meditation as also some form of self-hypnosis. You um, relax into a really easy state. You look at your thoughts that are unconscious. Mm -hmm. And these are the thoughts that are really valuable. These are the um, thoughts that are gold. Because since you don't really have an opportunity to go into your subconscious mind under normal circumstances. And sometimes... Some of your illogical, unreasonable decisions usually come from your subconscious mind. Let's mm. say, for example, you get angry at a person for no reason at all, and then yeah. you regret it like a day after. Yeah. It might be because of your sub- subconsciousness. Yeah. It might have a bad um, trigger keyword, yeah. for example. Yeah. And so how do you meditate? What is your way of meditation? <clears throat> First, I'll find a space where it's really quiet. Yeah. There's uh, no people around. Yeah. Because I don't want to be disrupted. Yeah. And then I'll relax into like a really easy state. Yeah. I'll put all my um, power out of my body. I'll relax. I'll let my muscles like relax too. Yeah. And then 
I'm going to think of like an imagery or, or a keyword. Okay. For me, like I think of me sinking into a bed, like slowly and slowly. Okay. A bed is like a really comfortable place. Right? So do you lie down and meditate? I do not like to lie down. It does help to be comfortable. Yeah. But you don't want to be too comfortable because you still want to like stay have conscious. Some, yeah, stay conscious. Don't fall asleep. I guess that's the, like the difference between hypnosis and meditation. Hypnosis, there's someone to guide you through. But meditation, you have to do it yourself. Okay. So keep, keep going. You do want to have access to your subconsciousness. Okay. But you still want to like ask the question to yourself. Like, what do I want? Why? Let's say like you're too stressed out before a test. Yeah. Why am I so stressed out? Like, what are the underlying causes? Yeah. And also, what can I do? Yeah. Usually, I think of like, what can I do right after like, I find the problems during my meditation. If I look into my subconsciousness and let's say I'm stressed because um, I'm afraid of failing the test yeah. in front of everyone else. And there's like uh, friends' expectations on me. Yeah. Right after meditation, I'm going to think, what could I do like, realistically? And it helps me think straightforwardly. Yeah. Because you're, you're not, you're looking at yourself from another person's viewpoint. Yeah. And you're getting rid of all your feelings. Interesting. So during your meditation, you would, would you sort of try to, because during meditation, I think this is a very common thing. I mean, I've, I've been meditating for a long time or for on and off for a long time. I I should say that. And many times, you know, when I meditate, there are thoughts that come in my head. How do you treat these thoughts? Do you go with the thought and start thinking is that how you meditate or do you let your thoughts go? Or what is your approach? You will let your thoughts come and go, just like a river, like yeah. it flows. Like let your thoughts flow into your brain. Just accept the thought as what it is. Look at the thoughts flowing into your brain. Don't try to interpret it. You don't want to use a lot of brain power. Yeah. You just want to look and observe what kind of thoughts are coming in. Yeah. And after you do that, then you could think after your meditation. Just let it happen naturally. You don't want... And reflect on your... And meditation. reflect. I think that's so important. I, th- I, I think that's what most, most people miss. Right. Including me. <laughs> I miss that. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really reflect after my meditation. I don't really mm-hmm. think about what did I specifically realize during that meditation. and just mm-hmm. sort of had the mental clarity and just carry on with my day because meditation is a process of knowing yourself really Mm -hmm. but you you are not thinking during meditation right but are you like for example you have thoughts thoughts Mm -hmm. about yourself you met you sit there you're getting comfortable you're meditating and boom a thought flashes by do you still expand on that thought do you do you say oh i just realized something or do you just let it go and then Try to remember it afterwards. I let it go and try to remember it afterwards. Can you remember it afterwards? Yes, of course. Really? To, to a certain degree, I can. I won't, I won't, def- one thing I would not want to do is I want to, I don't want to stick with my thoughts and try to interpret it on the spot because it kind of disrupts my flow of thought. Let's say I'm going like somewhere important with my subconscious train. I don't want to stop it in the middle. I want to see where it ends. And after it ends, I could get out, get out of my trance, and then I could think what I could do. That's very interesting. Uh, <coughs> it's a very ap- interesting approach to meditation. Do you listen to any sort of guided meditation, or do you sort of just do it yourself and set a timer and meditate, or do you not even set timers and just do it until you feel good? I do until I feel good, feel comfortable. I do until I realize something. Interesting. Yes. And how long do you usually meditate for then? It could be around sometimes if it's really short, five minutes. It could okay. go up to 15 minutes. I guess it depends on my state from day to day. Do you like to meditate in the mornings or in the afternoons? Or There's not, It's not something that I do daily. If I feel like I'm agitated if I, or if I do not know where I want to go. If you feel lost. If I feel lost. That is when I want to look into myself. Like, when I'm sure of uh, what I want to do, I won't apparently, like, do meditation. Yeah. 
And if my feelings are totally fine and I'm happy, like I don't feel the need to do that. Yeah, definitely. That's very, that's very interesting. So, I mean, speaking of you knowing what you want to do, I think you you could say you I could say you're a person that really sort of knows what you want to do. But has that has that always been the case? When is sort of like the the point where you realized, oh, I want to get into biotechnology. I want to get into investments. That's what I want to do in my future. Well, I did have an interest for medicine since I was yeah. a kid. Yeah. I guess I followed my dad around to like medical symposiums. Yeah. And um but that was more of like just like a fun event for me. Yeah. But um as I grew up, I found out that like becoming a doctor is hard. Yeah. And I started to think like what would fit me the best? Because I'm not that type of guy who just like sitting on a table and memorize a bunch of stuff. You got to know what your talents are. My talent is um, creativity. Hmm. And I like to um, make new stuff. Okay. And so I thought, um, That's I really the... like medicine. Like medicine is interesting for me. But okay. I feel like it's more like memorizing. Mm -hmm. I want to like do something with this interesting knowledge. Like mm -hmm. I know how the body works. But... I want to make something that helps people with this knowledge. So like innovative. Right. Mm -hmm. Biotechnology. Mm -hmm. and, and then and then I got to get into investing during my um, freshman year. Okay. I came to NMH. I used to also like dabble in investing before, mm -hmm. but I never like seriously got into investing until I came to NMH. And once I came here, um, I had a lot of free time to explore what I wanted on my own. Yeah. I started looking into the markets, yeah, looking how it worked. And at first, it was really confusing, especially because finance uses a lot of jargon. Yeah, but um, I found it interesting. And after some time, I also like sometimes I earn money, I lose money. That's also like really fun. Yeah, and um, when times where I lose money in the market, I identify I identify what was my mistake. Yeah, and even if I l lost money. I'll enjoy the process. Yeah. And so now I'm left with like two fun career choices. And so what I thought was, why can't I combine them into one and mm. invest in biomedical startup companies? And going back mm -hmm. to like um, good being inside evil, mm -hmm. evil being inside good, mm -hmm. I'll say my career also fits that because I'm pursuing it for a profit yeah, because I want to become like um, respected and influential. Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I think it's going to better the lives of many people. Yeah, because if you look at the uh, pharmaceutical market right now, mm -hmm. it's dominated really a lot by big pharma. Mm -hmm. So you could see like this big names: Pfizer, Astrogenica. Yeah, you could also see Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, these kind of companies have most of the market share. Yeah, and what that leads to is monopoly. Yeah, they could basically raise drug costs to extra orbiton levels yeah and there's nothing like the patients could do about it especially yeah. if it's a life-saving cancer drug yeah it's either take it or die yeah and the hard thing about investing in um biomedical companies is that you got to have a lot of knowledge on that okay that is why there's the barrier for normal investors and conventional farms at firms at wall street to invest yeah. in like startup companies it's perceived as risky yeah, definitely. So I want to do that kind of job where I like connect the conventional walls and then invest it into like life-saving drugs. Yeah. And possibly that will also help like get rid of the monopoly in the process and lower drug drug costs. So good for the end consumer. Interesting. <clears throat> and speaking of um, getting to know medicine, that probably takes a lot of research and getting into investment that probably took a lot of research and uh, reading too. So how was your process of learning? Like, did you read a lot and how, how did you read? I read a lot, especially for, in terms of medicine, I took a lot of um, courses online and um, I'll say, as I, as I said before, medicine is a lot about memorizing, yeah. memorizing skills. And, um, yeah, I guess that's mostly what I did. I looked at a lot of um, medical texts. I'm interested a lot into cancer. 
So I read up on like uh, research papers. Yeah. And it would be hard to understand. But if there's like a word that I don't know that come out. Yeah. I'll try to search it up online. Okay. And if that doesn't work, I'll ask my science teacher about it. Okay. And I'll figure it out one by one. For investment, I'll say I'm more of like a practical, lear practical learner. Like what mm -hmm. happened to me is I started looking at the markets. I saw what happened. I saw what was happening. And that experience accumulated over time. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So, so you think you learned a lot from doing. Right. And, I, lot, uh, I learned a lot from doing. And trying, trying things and failing, you mm -hmm. say? I failed a lot of times. Yeah. And I think that was like a really valuable experience for me, especially failing early on in this yeah. stage. Because the um, stakes are really low right now. Yeah, definitely. And it's always good to sort of just put yourself out there and throw yourself out there and just try and learn from your failures, learn from your mistakes and sort of go from there. Definitely. And you think, do you think you're still sort of on your way? I'm still on my way. I have a lot of way to cover. Yeah. Um, no, I'll say nobody is perfect. Even the most um, advanced, knowledgeable people in this field are still learning more and more. So I can't say um, my journey is complete. Uh huh. So I guess I'm kind of enjoying it along the way. Mm -hmm. And seeing myself improve, I guess that's like the best part of it. Mm -hmm. Like stuff that I didn't realize before. Yeah. Oh, the Nasdaq is up like 0.1% today. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's because of the CPI data. Yeah. And I look at it and it's like, oh, now I understand. Mm -hmm. Before that, I wouldn't understand why the market's moving. Now I do. And I guess that's like a really fun part of that. Yeah. Um, another question for you about reading is, is how, how many books do you, do you read on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis? On a weekly basis. Oh my God. Um, well, that's my goal though, is to read, read one, one book, book per week, per week, but I guess books have varying lengths. So the book that I'm undertaking right now, Grace of Ras, it took like two weeks yeah, and I cannot delay it longer, so I'm trying to finish it before this week. Yeah. I almost made it through, but I'll say like other like shorter medium books. I'll try to read it under one week, but I don't have a specific goal for it because I read for pleasure. Okay. <clears throat> so when did you sort of develop this reading habit? Um, I used to like reading when I was young, but then what happened to me is I guess it's also for like most of most of other people too. But then as you hit, like, puberty, like, you get to look at your smartphone and you have, like, way more other interesting things right at your hand, at your convenience. Yeah. And so I kind of, like, stopped reading books because I didn't find the need to read that. Like, there's more fun stuff in my smartphone. Yeah. But then I realized that it's not getting me anywhere. It's not providing me with, like, the intellectual nourishment that the books used to do. Yeah. And so it took me, like, some um, active effort to get back to reading those, but once I did, now I'm satisfied, and it's also, like, really fun. Fun. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Because <laughs> we, we, this comes back to the point of desire. Um, do you think reading has always been a fun thing for you, or you sort of had to develop it? It should be considered a different type of fun. Because... Yeah. It's different from uh, fun like riding in a roller coaster or hanging out with your friends. Yeah, or like going to a party or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or going to a party. But you learn stuff that you didn't realize. And seeing yourself improve, um, um, seeing your thoughts getting better and better. Yeah. And if you think about books, you always have to know that these are people who came thousands, uh, hundreds of years before you. And these are actually thoughts that make up the basis of the society today. And if you read these things, it gives you a better understanding of our world and why it works that way and the people who influenced it. Yeah. And it's just really intriguing to read up on these thoughts and then link it with my personal experience, per se. Yeah. And I think that's the really, the, I think that's the most fascinating part about reading is reading. <coughs> it's not only about just reading what you have on this book, but it's about the the mental connections where you can draw from this book to other books and 
they call it the mental pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I'd say it's really important for you to figure out stuff yourself. Yeah. Like people can tell you um, what Plato thought. People can tell you um, what Kant thought. Yeah. But unless you read it yourself, you never know for sure. Mm-hmm. And once you get to read those things, re- you realize that these people are not just like fictional figures that come out in uh, textbooks. These are real uh, alive people that existed before you. Yeah. And sometimes I just like sit there in awe. Like while I was reading Plato's Republic, I was, um, that book is in form of a discussion. Yeah. Love that book. Between Socrates and um, other figures that come out in the book. Yeah. And as you read that discussion and think that this was stuff that happens, happened in ancient Greece. I think that is a really amazing part of getting to um, read that. Definitely, definitely. Another big question on reading, I think, not only me, but also listeners have, um, is that how do you find time to read? I think that goes back to the point of phones, but not only phones, but just how do you squeeze time out to read on a daily basis? I usually read before I go to sleep. Okay. It actually helps a lot because um, sometimes there's going to be a part in the book where it gets boring yeah. and you just naturally fall asleep. <laughs> just fall asleep. Boring. Yes, it's a, it's a good way of falling asleep. <laughs> but at the same time, like if it's just like a really nice day, like it's a really nice sunny day, I'll just like go outside, just okay. enjoy like enjoy like the vibe. At the same time, like um, it's just better than just... Um, it's, I feel like I'm doing something that is productive. And it's also like pleasurable at the same time. Um, you could always find the time to read if you want. Um, you could find uh, time between blocks. Let's say for X block, you have a bunch of time there. Yeah. Um, I'll say like making the f- time. You don't have to find it. You have to make the time. Yeah. Especially like in between your schedules, like the 15 minutes, the 10 minutes of break that you have. Yeah. Those are like really good opportunities to do it. That's actually very interesting. And and I think a, a big misconception towards reading is, is uh, that, that I used to have and that I think people used to have is I think we have to really sit down and it's like really boring to have to really get into the zone, take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's like very casual too. Could be really casual, you would say, right? Um, it is boring. Honestly, I guess it depends on the type and genre of book. Yeah. If you read non-fictions, that could be really boring. Yeah. But again, if you think about like the historical context of it and the significance of that book that has in your life. Yeah. It's, I guess it's also kind of same with like education. Yeah. It is boring, but at the same time, like you're learning the stuff. You're becoming a better person. Interesting, yeah. And also like workout. Like some people uh, genuinely enjoy working out, but others like sometimes there are times you don't want to go to gym. Yeah. But then you go and after you go, like you get more muscle. Yeah. And then you feel, you see yourself in the mirror and then you feel happy about that. Definitely. Seeing the gains. Seeing the gains. (laughs) It's a good one. Yeah, no, I think really the thing about reading, think you feel much better after you you read. I mean, it, it could be not the best experience through through it. Depends mm-hmm. on what book you read, obviously. And sometimes you might enjoy it. That's the and, and most times, not 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 most times, and not sometimes. I think it just really depends. But a lot of times, you can actually find joy in reading. Too. Mm-hmm. And I think <coughs> what really video what, what, what with videos and with you know sort of these. Instagram and not no not Instagram but like social media like TikTok a lot of people prefer these fast information instead of these long information like for example if I can if if you can sort of just find out something specific about investment in a five minute YouTube video why would you want to spend no three weeks read to read the intelligent investor but in your point of view why do you think reading these long term um, longer forms of knowledge is important. So first, when you le- read this longer forms of knowledge, it's unfiltered. Yeah. You get to know every nook and cranny of stuff that you'll probably 
it probably misses out any summary. Yeah. And um, you talked about TikTok, like Instagram, and all of like this instant um, satisfaction. And there mechanisms. are all, all these book summaries on YouTube or TikTok and all that. Mm-hmm. But I do have a feeling that um, these kind of instant satisfaction is kind of harmful for you. Yeah. Like, Why? you're no different from a rat, a mouse that is pressing a button. <laughs> For satisfaction. <laughs> and if you think of it in that terms, like we're logical, sentient beings. Yeah. You want to read through that whole thing. And the great part is once you finish it, there's that um, joy that came from you putting your effort in this thing. And it's like you put more time into it. Yeah. And then you finally did it. And that's true, true joy. True joy. Right. Ple- excitement and pleasure is not joy it's not like a short bust of adrenaline and i think there's this study that was conducted on a mouse since you brought by the point about mouse that they that some scientists place electrodes um on a rat a rat's dopamine center so on their i think make the i don't want to say the wrong thing so uh, but but place on their dopamine center and once the rat presses the button, it triggers the dopamine. Um, it, sh- it creates a shock in the dopamine center, and they feel pleasure, right? So I they keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, and literally they don't eat, and they just keep pressing that button until they die. I guess that is addiction. That's addiction, and, and that's you're, sort you're of what's controlled happening. controlled by desire. With, with desires nowadays. Mm-hmm. We're really controlled by the desires, and we're we're just, you know pressing the button button all the time nonstop and we don't really take in this long form of of information Mm -hmm. you know and and what happens is we just end up like a rat you know just in this short Mm -hmm. cycle where we don't really learn you gotta enjoy the process enjoy the process Mm -hmm. and the uh, another bad thing that i think sort of goes along with being short term is we can't really take on long-term things that's a bad thing too, mm-hmm. because long-term things are really important. Right. If you want to start a business, if you want to, if you want to make money, if you want to get, get like a career plan, you know, it has to be really long-term. It seems so far away and so hard. We don't want to think about that. I guess. But it's very imminent mm-hmm. too. It's yeah. I guess that's the whole idea of procrastination. Everyone procrastinates, but yeah. I'll say the important part is. Once you procrastinate, just getting over it. Hey, I procrastinated, but now I'm going to try hard again. Yeah. Like, as long as you consistently keep going, you're going to get somewhere. Yeah. Keep going for it. And procrastination, on the point of procrastination, do you procrastinate a lot? Or I'm I'm like everyone else. I do procrastinate a lot, especially um, for essays when Mm -hmm. I have... A writer's block, I will not be able to write mm-hmm. until I have like two days of deadline left. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I got to write this up. Mm-hmm. And then I finish it in two hours. And I'm like, that was pretty simple. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, but I'll say it's mostly just getting over that fear. Once mm-hmm. you get started on the subject, it becomes easy. Yeah, totally agree. That's the thing. Momentum is so important. Right. That goes back to a point about investments. Mm-hmm. Just start, go out, fail, learn, and keep keep going forward. Right. That's that's where progress learns. Progress and learning comes from the the comes from lear- comes from doing. Reading is so important. Yeah, like the process of reading is very important. That's where you to acquire knowledge. And how do you actually like? Apply those knowledge, you have to still do it, too. Um, what do you say? I guess once you know that knowledge, mm-hmm. applying... No, applying is the more harder part. Yeah. Since you could have it in your brain, but acting it out in real life is different. Yeah. But if I read something, and if I really resonate with what the author is saying... Yeah. Well, I'll try to apply it in my life as best as I can, but I'll try to modify it in the way that fits me. Yeah. Since 
I just do not blindly accept things. I have like a different um, brain wiring, and I have like different genes. I have different DNA sequences mm-hmm. than the person who wrote that thing. Every one of us has different characteristics, and we're different from each other.、Mm-hmm. And we got to find what works best for us. Definitely, find find out what is you. Uniquely good for us, and and what what our way best way of learning is. Yes, I think we've covered a lot today. I mean, we、yeah. we not I, I don't think we really got into deep talk about economics or investments, but I think we really learned the how and the why of you. And、um, everyone used this time to say thank you for coming. First of all, and and another thing is. If you, if there's one last advice you could give to and could give to someone that's listening, what would it be? Um. Well, always try to live um and control your desires. Don't、yeah. be um be a master of the desires. Don't be、uh, controlled by them. Yeah. And um, try to live unhappy and um, self-disciplined life. And the benefit of that is. The benefit of that is that you get constant happiness, constant maintainable happiness instead and of true happiness, and true happiness instead of short burst of dopamine. Exactly. That's, ladies and gentlemen, is how it is done. True happiness. Thank you so much for coming today, Patrick. I really appreciate your time and really appreciate you sharing all the. Knowledge and wisdom from. <coughs> I mean, you read so much. I respect you so much.、Mm-hmm. You've been. How many books do you think you've read in the past year? Past year, yeah. Say about eight to ten. Eight to ten in this year.、Mm-hmm. Oh, the past year. Yeah. Okay, I thought、um, this year I've read about three books. That's really good.、Mm-hmm. That's really good. I've barely even had time to even start reading because we're just busy with schoolwork and you know sports and everything else. But there's always try- time if you try to find it. There's always time、yes. if you try to find it. All you gotta do is just be passionate and, and squeeze time out and physically try. Right. Once again, appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming and for listeners. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye bye.